the city of 100 Hellos, Brooks, Alberta, Canada. This is the Global Village Podcast with Ahmed Kassim. Welcome to Global Village Podcast. This is Ahmed Kassim, your host of the program. And we have today also co-host of the program, uh, Gurbrit. Uh, most of the people might be, uh, they, they might know Gurbrit for she's been here a very long time and she's a good additional to the program. Uh, welcome to the program and uh, our co-host, uh, go ahead. Hello, Melanie. How are you today? So we would like to know something about you and how long you've been lived in Brooks for. Okay. Um, well, I was born up. Uh, in Leduc. I uh, grew up in Leduc in Edmonton and Pigeon Lake. And, uh, um, you know, my mom was a, a teacher, ended up becoming a special ed teacher. My dad worked for the telephone company. And when I'm the oldest, when my little sister Anita was born, I was about four years old and she was born with Down syndrome. So uh, back at that point in time, I guess I'll, I'll maybe uh, date myself by saying that that would be uh, the we would have moved there in the late 60s and I uh, moved to Edmonton because there was no public schooling for her. Uh, and so we moved to Edmonton because there was a private school that she could attend. Um, and so uh, after realizing that there needed to be more programming and particularly public education programming for students with intellectual disabilities, my parents and a small group of other parents started lobbying Edmonton Public Schools for a program for students with intellectual disabilities. And after a few years, they were successful. And it ended up that my my mom and her good friend were sort of the first teachers who started the program off and kept it going. And, and uh, so we were very sort of proud of that legacy in our family. And uh, I think that was the beginning, well, of my and my family's um, advocacy for strong public education. That was uh, important to us. So I followed in my mom's footsteps and uh, did my teaching degree and then moved to Brooks for my first teaching job 35 years ago. So uh, I moved here and uh, taught at Griffin Park for about 14 years. I guess I also moved here because I had a boyfriend here. That might be something I'd add, who who later became my husband and still is. So uh, anyway, I... (laughs) started teaching learning assistance programming at Griffin Park before I went back to university and did my master's in school psych. Uh, And then I proceeded to do the extensive process of chartering as a psychologist in Alberta and then worked for almost two decades um, as Grasslands Public Schools psychologist. I retired a few years ago from the school district and then about a year later was elected as a trustee for Grasslands Public Schools. And uh, in my, my semi-retirement, um, I started working on a doctorate online uh, in forensic psychology with a specialization in crisis management leadership. And I have been joking that, uh, you know, I'll probably be finishing this well after the pandemic has, has sort of uh, ceased to be as, as difficult a challenge as it is now. And uh, I will then graduate and have missed probably the largest crisis of our lifetimes. But <laughs> I, uh, it, it, it's maybe not the best timing, but I'm very much enjoying the program. I've also been able to do some wonderful volunteering in our community, doing some interesting projects locally, um, and some of those with Global Village, which have been great. The Medicine Hat College Global Village Research Project I was able to volunteer with and thoroughly enjoyed and got to meet lots of people that I wouldn't otherwise maybe have crossed paths with. Um, A great art project that Global Village arranged through Red Roof Studio with junior and senior high students from both or from two school systems within Brooks and uh, again got to do work with kids which was great. I uh, was on the committee that helped to organize our the first ever rural mental health conference, which we hosted in Brooks. Um, and so those things have have uh, been very exciting and energizing to, to get to do on a volunteer basis. I've also uh, continued doing uh, my work as a psychologist, doing some assessments, speaking at conferences, holding workshops for 
professionals on such things as being trauma-informed. So I also, in the district, was a leader for what we'll, uh, I'll talk a little bit more about in a minute, which is VITRA in our schools. And then after retirement, I became a national trainer and consultant for VITRA, which has been exciting because it's meant a bit of travel for me, at least up until this, this year. Wow, that's uh, fantastic. Uh, thanks, uh, Melanie. Uh, and I think uh, with the uh, good leadership of the trustee of Grasslands, that which you are uh, part of the trustee, I think uh, you guys have done an excellent uh, job in terms of the Grasslands Public School that I have to say in advance. Well, thank you very much. We are very proud of our school district. I'm very proud of our leadership team, very proud of all our employees. The, the work that they have done has, has been amazing. Um, I think we're so proud that, you know, from everybody who is, say, doing custodial work in our schools to making sure the buses are safe and clean and healthy and sanitized to, you know, our maintenance um, folks going and making sure all the schools have the right kind of adaptations to make them safe and healthy from our teachers and our teaching assistants and our technology people and on and on it goes so many pieces and parts that make up a wonderful system like this and in in our great faith in how how they've risen to the occasion we're just so proud and i think you know, we, we have to give credit to our superintendent, Scott Brandt, and his leadership team because, uh, you know, that has we have such great trust and faith in them that I think we have felt um, a lot more comfortable than maybe a lot of other school districts who have maybe struggled a bit. But we have felt great pride and and appreciation and gratitude for our Grasslands Public School staff. No, I think uh, you hit the nail on the head, uh, Melanie. I think uh, Scott, as superintendent, and his team uh, have done an excellent job, uh, as well as the uh, trustee that uh, also, um, uh, with the cooperation from the trustee, I think it's a uh, it's much better place. And most of the uh, students and families have gained some uh, they have a good appreciation for the difficulties that we are in, the challenge that we are in, but at the same time, the cooperation and the guidance are uh, coming from the Grassland Public School and their staff and teachers and all everyone uh, highly appreciated. Yeah, and you know, giving a shout out to my fellow trustees, I think we have a wonderful group of people. There are six trustees on the Grasslands Public Schools board. Uh, and we come from, you know, a variety of perspectives, rural, urban, on and on, just to even our, like our work experiences, etc. But we have a wonderful, respectful, uh, collaborative relationship. And that extends to Scott, our superintendent and his team. And uh, I think it makes for a stronger public education system. I'm very, very proud of Grasslands Public Schools. So uh, we also thank you very much. And thank you very much for taking also uh, the time that we started the um, mental health for the newcomers. Uh, you were uh, valuable for, the, for that starting point of that uh, program. Uh, and as we speak today, I think we are starting our next phase funded by the federal government for five years for uh, phase two of that uh, mental health for the newcomers. That is wonderful. And it's so nice to hear that there is government support. That's wonderful. Uh, tell us a bit about the, uh, the VITRA program, um, uh, both nationally and internationally, uh, if, you have, uh, if you have a few minutes. Sure, I would love to. Um, VITRA stands for Violence Threat Risk Assessment. Um, it is what the, the training that's been done in grasslands public schools for over two decades. I know it's been done in some of the other systems as well. And it started with um, a fellow by the name of Kevin Cameron, who started the Canadian Center for Threat Assessment and Trauma Response, actually based out of Lethbridge, Alberta. Um, and in recent years has turned in, has now gone by the name of 
the North American Center for Threat Assessment and Trauma Response because we've certainly expanded our work into the U.S. They've they've uh, really responded to our model and our training, and it's exciting. And uh, but it started um, sort of post Columbine, and if, for those who were sort of in the area at the time, they may recall that we after the Columbine shooting, ten days later, that we had a school shooting in Tabor, Alberta just south of here and uh, it was a time when we were really trying to figure out what we can do to prevent serious school violence and uh, Kevin was sort of the first person uh, working in conjunction with some of the behavioral sciences people with the uh, RCMP out of Ottawa and came up with a training program that has really it has evolved and but it has also stood the test of time and so it is it has been a it's a model that will help us um, uh, reduce the, the chance of serious school violence, but it is also a model that has really applied well across other areas of risk, um, threat and risk, including domestic violence. Um, he works extensively with the gang units out of Surrey, BC, and so it's, it's a very applicable model, um, and we, we're, we really feel that it helps to uh, interrupt people who might be on a pathway towards more serious violence by by having people trained in our community uh, who who can know when when it's time to intervene and how to get supports yeah I, I'm glad that you mentioned domestic violence uh, Melanie because uh, due to the COVID problems I think domestic violence is because of the people isolated at home uh, mental health issue uh, creates some misunderstanding and all these other pressures in life, uh, domestic violence is a bit up. Uh, yes. Would the uh, VITRA program be uh, something that uh, organizations who deal with domestic violence or, or, or police or others, uh, something that maybe to look, at, uh, to look into and provide those uh, organizations the tools that they need to prevent such problems? I, I think it's an wonderful training for well actually for anybody who deals with people <laughs> and i you know we have had over the years many of our rcmp officers uh to come and do the training uh and actually when i started after i retired and i started becoming a national trainer uh i was asked um, by shauna at the the shelter in Brooks to come and do a host of training there. So many or most of her uh, employees there went through the training at that time, which was which was great. Uh, and so I, I believe that if you're dealing with people in any sort of capacity of support where they, you might be concerned about their risk, it can be useful and helpful. You know, and I had started by doing trainings nationally uh, we have a team in the States out of Chicago who is doing more of the work uh, in the States, but we're certainly looking, we've been looking to expand that. The pandemic has changed how we uh, deliver some of our training, and that has moved to more of an online model of training. If people are interested in looking into it, uh, they can certainly contact me, um, but they also can go on the website, which would be uh, www.nactatr, so we call it nactatr.com, and they can look at the different levels of training. And there's some training that it could might be just for sort of a general community audience, might be for people who are even concerned about, say, workplace violence. Um, you know, there there are sort of connections between, say, some of our students who over in the over the years have done school shootings versus even our workplace shooters um, but how do we how do we make our buildings our our communities safer uh, by knowing when and how we can help somebody who might be on a pathway to serious violence and uh, getting them appropriate uh, intervention and it's not meant to be a punitive model whatsoever it is meant to be a helpful model that can help someone on a on a worrisome pathway and uh, get them the supports they need uh, get the system the supports they need and to just um, I believe make communities safer 
So who's the uh, who's the person who trains uh, in our region in this area? Well, it, it would depend. Um, uh, who's the uh, who can train uh, people, for example, here? Uh, in Brooks and Count of New York. Do they have, other than Melanie, someone else, or you are responsible this area? Uh, we have a few national trainers. We certainly have Kevin, who still does trainings himself. Uh, we have myself. We had, have Pat Rivard, also out of Lethbridge. Uh, and we have um, a couple that are down east. And so, um, yeah, it would just sort of be depending on the availability particularly if it's like in-person trading that people would be looking at. And I know that's not really happening at the moment, but there are the online trainings, which are still, uh, which are being moderated by Kevin. He's doing the bulk of the online training while we figure out the online training system, but with some of the local or not the local, the national trainers uh, jumping in to add bits of support because you know, as Kevin has told us, that it's hard to listen for, to the same voice on a Zoom training for two full days. So it helps to have different voices, different stories, different experiences uh, coming through the training in a two-day training. Yeah, so anyone that is from Brooks and Count of Newell, any organization that wants to check the, uh, uh, the Vitra, they can connect to you or they can go to the website. That's right. That's right. If they would like to ask me more questions directly and how that might sort of fit our community uh, is certainly a topic I am very, very passionate about. I wouldn't be doing it in my semi-retirement if I didn't feel passionate about it and love it and feel that it was a, an important way that to make a community stronger. Well, and I am living testimony on that one. Wonderful. Thank you. I appreciate your bringing up Vitra because I think it's important. Yeah. Melanie, what is something you would like our audience to know about Brooks and Newell Region? What I would like to say is that I am so filled with pride over our community. I am always amazed at how this community has come together when it's asked. Um, it has always been one of the most generous communities I've ever seen. It, uh, you know, from raising money, and I remember uh, doing some volunteer work with Ducks Unlimited with my husband, and uh, compared to you know, Calgary fundraising, we would always sort of beat them per capita by far and be the top in the country by far because of the generosity. I think um, the the leaders in our oil and gas industry and in ranching um, and, and more recently with JBS and their, their financial response to helping our food banks, etc. cetera, um, I think this community has always amazed me with how it comes together and works when asked to raise money, to build playgrounds, on and on. And I've also worked with other professionals, um, you know, from other communities, whether it's the big cities or, or other similar size places. But what they're always astounded by what Brooks has seemed to accomplish. And I believe that that's because we're just, we are in sort of the optimum size community to really make things happen. We're small enough that we know people in other agencies and businesses, etc. Um, and, you know, I believe that we can get, you know, we have those human relationships, those connections that are so important to make things happen and, and a supportive community as well. So I think that's what I would like people to know about Brooks and County of Newell. I think we have amazing things going on and I am often boasting about it when I am meeting with people from outside our community. Wow, that's good. And that's why we have uh, the city of 100 Hallows. Yeah, I'm so, I'm so proud of that, that uh, title. I think that is beautiful in it. it. It's, yeah, I just, uh, I am so proud of Brooks. There you go. Uh, and I think... Uh, Brooks and County of Newell. <laughs> that, Brooks and County of Newell, yep. Uh, and on top of that, I think you don't have to travel anywhere. You can find any nationality, any food that you want to uh, test in uh, Brooks and account of New York. Well, that's right. It is wonderful. Okay. Uh, has the COVID-19 affected you and your work? Well, actually, it, it has, particularly the work I do with regards to psychology. 
Um, I'm not, I haven't done any in-person assessments um, since the, the pandemic arrived. Um, I have taken about three online courses on doing remote assessments, but I'm not yet feeling comfortable sort of moving in that direction. I don't feel the research is there yet to support it. And so I am just sort of waiting um, to proceed, you know, and, uh, but I miss doing assessments and I will look forward to doing those again when I feel it's safe to, to do so. Um, I had some speaking engagements at conferences canceled because the conferences were canceled. Um, but I guess all of this has allowed me a lot of time to work on my doctorate and, uh, and that has been a blessing. I find that, uh, it has been helpful having some structure and routine because the online learning has to has to be that way for people to be successful. Uh, and my work as a trustee during the, the pandemic has certainly been uh, very interesting and um, necessary to really stay on top of things um, in the province and and with education. We've had lots of changes to education prior to the pandemic, and so we're sort of navigating a whole lot of new things all at once. And so that has been, you know, a, a fair uh, bit of work to, to stay on top of it. So changes in a variety of ways. Psychology has changed, gone to where we were very hesitant to move to even sort of phone-based consultation um, and counseling and therapy. Uh, that's becoming more acceptable because for some that's the only way it can occur. Yeah, that's uh, true indeed. Uh, but uh, the other thing is we have to look forward. Uh, hopefully that uh, uh, we will overcome these uh, difficulties and as long as we are all in together and we can all pull it off. And there is always hope and uh, keep hope alive and be nice to each other and be kind to each other. Oh, absolutely. Isn't that true? You know, I... I have been saying to a few people that I am really curious to see what the changes in psychology alone will be when the pandemic is over or when the worst of it's over. I think it will really have made some big shifts. And so I'm very interested and curious about how that's going to will will evolve. So, so in changes everywhere. Yeah, in terms of, of a, uh, uh, you mean after the pandemic, are you thinking of a more problems in terms of the mental health of the individuals um, due to isolation and other factors? Well, I think that will be one piece of it. I think we will be, um, you know, addressing mental health challenges for quite a while to come. But I also think the practice of psychology itself is going to have some shifts and changes. And I don't even know what those might be. I had certain ideas of what I would do with my doctorate once I have completed it. But with even the changes that have happened so far, I am rethinking all of that. And I'm not exactly sure what I will be doing post-doctorate. <laughs> well, one day at a time. Rome was not built in one day. That's right. And it, it's kind of exciting to know that it is the, the playing field is shifting um, as, as I'm trying to figure it out. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Good challenges. Melanie, have you any advice for our community members to prevent the spread of COVID-19 in our community? Well, I, I guess I would just really like to uh, encourage everybody to listen to our public health leaders. Um, you know, Dr. Dina Hinshaw as our Alberta leader. Um, but the public health leaders have been training their whole careers for something like this. Any of the public health leaders that I have ever met are the most dedicated unsung heroes uh, who are, have now been called upon to sort of be the face of how we navigate this. And I think there's been so much confusion and um and, and that has evolved into some mistrust. But truly, these people that are in public health have worked so hard in their careers just planning and thinking about something like this happening one day. And while their advice has shifted a bit uh, over the course of the, the pandemic, 
that's because they've learned more about COVID-19 and they're figuring things out. And so I would just encourage everybody to follow the most current direction that public health is giving us, that Dr. Hinshaw is giving us. And that, you know, is the basics of wear a mask, wash your hands, limit your contacts. Um, But I would like to actually just add another comment to that too. And that since we have gone to the most recent restrictions, um, you know, there's been some comments from adults working with kids that, that kids are maybe starting to talk a bit about how the, the news programs are really uh, causing them lots of stress and worry. And I think that's to be expected. The kids know that something has increased or shifted and they're not necessarily understanding why or, or why these new changes have come about. And I think that, um, you know, if they're watching TV news, it is overwhelming. It's overwhelming for adults. And so I would encourage the, the adults to limit news that the kids are getting from TV and from their devices. Um, and also just to be mindful. If adults are sitting around and they're sort of commiserating or griping, um, you know, about things that regarding the pandemic, Kids may not appear to be listening, but you can be sure that they are. They are listening. They are wanting to know what's going on. So please be mindful of what the kids are being exposed to. You know, they are really looking to their trusted adults to figure things out about this pandemic. And if the adults' messages are negative or miserable or anxious, then this is going to cause the kids greater distress. You know, in, in a crisis, our... Um, you know, my training with Vitra, etc., is model calmness, model calmness. And that's one of the basic things that we teach. And that's what adults should be doing for kids throughout this pandemic is they should be modeling um, calmness. And if the adults, too, are finding they're overwhelmed by the negative messaging, then they should be limiting their their exposure to the TV stories and the uh, social media stories, etc., And if you're adults that are finding yourself in the same sort of negative coffee room talk with a bunch of negative Nellies, you know, change it up. Maybe don't go there for your coffee break. Maybe go out and take a walk. We've been blessed with having some really mild winter weather that's allowed us to be outside more. Well, I think that is of great importance to us as we try to stay mentally well during these very weird times. That is a great advice, uh, Melanie. Uh, just to follow up with, with Gigi, uh, the vaccine, uh, as you very much know, there's, there are so many rumors, uh, misinformation about the vaccine. Uh, it's not safe, and there's a chip in the vaccine, and all those um, uh, misinformation. Um, would you take the vaccine if if available today you and your family i absolutely would take the vaccine i plan to as soon as it is available and i plan to my mother's turning 80 next month and i want her to get it as soon as it's possible i think some of the i met the the public health officials like dr fauci out of the u.s have said that while the typical vaccine is studied on four to five thousand people these vaccines are like more like 40 to fifty thousand. and yes everything has a risk but they public health wouldn't be having us do vaccinations if if the risk weren't far outweighed by the potential to save lives with this vaccine and so i will absolutely take it the moment it is available to me now that's fantastic, and anyone who wants more information, they can always uh, go to the website of um, Alberta Health Services, uh, AHS, or they can probably go to the website of Health Canada, and they get all the fact sheet from those agencies. That's correct. And we also have wonderful pharmacists in Brooks who are able to explain things and talk about things. Wow, that's, that is, that's very nice of you. I think... Uh, our listeners uh, have so many options, but at the end of the day, the vaccine is safe, and hopefully that uh, 
if available most of the people definitely will take uh, me myself included and my family uh, but <coughs> there is always misinformation from the social media there is a jeep in that in uh, within the uh, vaccine um, someone will definitely control your, your uh, control you somewhere but all those misinformation will create a um, lot of um, problems within the community so the bottom line is <coughs> if you have all this social media negative and misinformation try to find the uh, fact sheets from those agencies AHS and Health Canada absolutely they are they are reliable sources of information yeah Melanie what is a school tr district trustee well in, a, in the province of Alberta every school district every public school district has a uh, an elected board uh, the elections occur at the same time as our other municipal elections occur. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, for example, in Grasslands Public Schools, our elected board consists of six elected trustees. Um, three are elected from the Brooks Ward, and then there are three elected from different various county wards. And so, um, trustees... Um, and, and I guess and an entire board, trustees and the board keep, are keeping with the theory that the government's most effective when it's placed closest to the people being governed. So the idea is that the trustees act for the legislation in the local community. Um, you know, we exist for the students, the children in our communities. We are advocates for our children and in ensuring that we are providing them with excellent educational opportunities, preparing them for their adult lives, and also to be future citizens. And so we have a variety of roles, and uh, even having come previously from the school system, I was not aware of just how many different roles and hats our trustees wear. Uh, but I was just sort of looking on a website, and I was reminded of a list that says politicians or trustees are politicians, goal setters, planners, financial planners, policy makers, legislators, communicators, educators, info receivers, info disseminators, um, adjudicators, and lobbyists. Wow. And so, yeah, and so it, it has been very, very interesting to learn about this role mm -hmm. uh, in my first term. I'm now in the fourth year, and I feel like I'm I've uh, got a much better understanding than when I started. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, uh, yes, it has been fascinating and a huge learning curve. But I believe it is one of the most exciting um, elected positions for communities because you are so close to what's happening. I love getting out to the schools and see what's going on and uh, attending parent council meetings and hearing what parents and, and staff have to say. Uh, there are just many wonderful things happening in our communities. And I am a believer that or that schools are sort of the core of our communities. They are, you know, a solid foundation for our communities. And yeah. when we have a strong and vibrant school system, yeah. it adds to having a strong and vibrant community. That is true indeed. So mm -hmm. when is the then, uh, I would assume then if the... Uh, if it's four years, then that will fall into the same time of the city and the county, which is sometime in October election. That's right. And actually, if anybody is interested in finding out more about being a trustee in the election, etc., the Grasslands website, Grasslands Public Schools website, which is grasslands.ab.ca, yeah. uh, there is now a quick facts information poster about the election day, which is October 18th, 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, and there has been a slight change this year um, that the, the government brought in a change that means that people can start putting in their nomination paperwork uh, before nomination day. And so before I believe there was, and John can maybe help me, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but there was about a four week period that you had to submit your paperwork Yeah, and it had to be in by nomination day. But now it's actually, it can be in the, in the, coming months up until that date of September 20th to submit. So you can submit your paperwork much, much earlier. Uh, and so 
to um, run for a grasslands trustee position, that you must have lived in Alberta for at least six consecutive months preceding nomination day, uh, and you must live within the boundaries of that jurisdiction. So you must live within the grasslands boundaries. And so we have three, as I mentioned previously, we have three positions elected in the Brooks Ward, which is, includes City of Brooks and the Lake Newell Resort. We have Ward A, which has one trustee elected, and that covers Bazano, Jim, and Rosemary. We have Ward B, which elects one trustee, and that covers Duchess, Bow City, and sort of the closer rural Brooks area. And we have Ward C, which elects one trustee uh, from the Tilly, Patricia, Rolling Hills, Rainier, and Scandia areas. That's a total of six. So yes, we have six trustees on our board. And then one is elected as our board chair and one as our vice chair. Okay. And so, it, and it's a four-year term that is served. Um, yeah, and and so it is. it is worth thinking about. I think if people have questions about what it entails or are interested in more information, um, the returning officer has not yet been named. Um, I believe Rian Schroeder, our associate superintendent at the Grasslands Public Schools office, would be able to uh, answer questions or direct people to information. Um, also, I believe on Alberta Education's website, there is also the packages that can be downloaded, the nomination forms. I was just there earlier today and I saw that. Uh, but I think it would be something that would be great for people to think about if you want to find a way to contribute to your community and, and the future of your community. We have a wonderful board. I have really enjoyed working with this group of people. I can't believe we're in our fourth year already. Uh, but I have learned so much from those who have served previously. We have a, our board chair, Jody Trembecki, has been just so wonderful in helping us navigate this new role in the past few years. Um, and and so, yeah, I would encourage anybody to talk to any of the trustees and, and uh, to learn a little bit more. Um, but as I mentioned, we, we, we have some great diversity. The the boundaries were set up so that there would be some um, um, some balance between urban and rural. Uh, I think our board also brings some diverse perspectives with some coming from education, some from private business, uh, from the oil and gas industry, uh, a variety of sort of perspectives in, in that sense too in business. Uh, what I would love to see in the coming election where, would be for us to uh, have a little bit more representation, have somebody elected who will provide uh, sort of greater diversity with terms, in terms of race and culture. I know we have many, many students that come from a variety of races and cultures and backgrounds. And I think it is really important for the parents to feel that the board is representing them. And all parents need to see that. Um, I think it's also important that our students see that they are represented by the board that is guiding our school system. And as I have followed the news and social media over the, the uh, inauguration um, of Kamala Harris in the US as the first vice president that is female and a woman of uh, mixed heritage. I, I see how proud it is. And I think that explains how important it is that people can see themselves being represented in their, in their elected governments. And so I, I, I hope people will think about running. One of the things, now I have mentioned that, I have mentioned that the Brooks Ward and then the other wards cover those different areas. But I should, I am remiss in not saying that when we are elected, that doesn't mean we only represent the interests of our ward. It is very, very clear to us in, in all of our problem solving and decision making that we are considering all students in grasslands, that we are doing what's best for our school system and best for our students. 
and we are not just making decisions on what's best for one particular community. And so I think anybody that would be running needs to keep that in mind as well. It is we are looking at what is best to for our students, what is best, uh, the opportunities that we can provide, uh, and that we're doing those for all students to build a stronger community in the future. So hopefully we will have lots of people interested in, in looking at being a trustee. I think you hit the nail on the head, uh, Melanie, and uh, I can say I'm very proud to know you. Uh, I think that is the fact of today's uh, world. Uh, it's uh, Demographics are changing, uh, a lot of diverse uh, cultural diversity and other different, cult different diversity. So to have a, um, uh, someone from a different perspective in terms of the newcomers population that are making Brooks area the city of 100 hallows uh, would be great addition to the great job you and your colleagues have been done in the last many years. And I think there are a lot of good uh, professional, good people from the newcomer population is, uh, who might be a uh, somebody who might be a good person to add that additional perspective from the newcomers population or immigrant population, new Canadians, uh, so many different names. But the fact is still is uh, that representation will be value added to the educational system. Uh, and mm -hmm. I think your message uh, to the audience will, was, uh, will be a uh, well-received. And those newcomers who might be interested, you have given the roadmap. They can go to the website of the Grasslands to know more about or Alberta Education. And we hope to find someone who has that uh, spirit and that uh, uh, community-minded person that wants to help, especially the education of the children, which is the foundation of any vibrant health community. So uh, we encourage those people, if they are listening, uh, if they have that interest, to uh, visit those websites and make your decision. Still, October is a long way to go, but make your decision and be involved in the community and be active in the community. And if you need any more information, visit those websites. I, yeah, I, you made such important points. When I go out to parent council meetings, I am there very much to sort of to be there to represent the board, but I'm also there to listen to parents. And, and I try to do the best I can, but that, but I, but I can't know what I don't know. And so to have people from very diverse backgrounds bring information to us, it helps us with decision-making. We can learn about things we don't know and, uh, and, and then make better decisions. I, 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 I couldn't agree more. And I think you're right. And I think uh, we have a lot of good, uh, people from the newcomer population. I would encourage everyone who is listening. And I always, and I will always encourage also, especially for the newcomer woman perspective, uh, to, uh, to think about joining the uh, trustee uh, for the education of the students, all of them, not Brooks, but the county, and Brooks, the whole region. And that's a foundation for years to come. So something to think about those newcomers and you have the information where to look at more information, feel free to um, call if you need more information. We'll direct you to the right people to give you more information. Wonderful. And I, and I agree with, with uh, the point about more women. I would love to see more women in politics because I think we tend to shy away from it at times, and I think that that, uh, that would be great to see. And I have very much enjoyed my time as a trustee. Uh, I hope it will continue. And uh, But it is a great opportunity to just give back to your community and serve. No, you did very well, I think, uh, Melanie, and we hope to see you uh, a, uh, many years to come. And I don't know if you, uh, I think a, to have a woman perspective and to have the um, uh, diversity background, different perspective, I think will add value uh, I was listening today or yesterday, I think the uh, uh, Know Your Value, I think uh, 
from the Forbes magazine. I think they're having something they call Know Your Value, uh, dedicated to the woman. So to have the woman perspective on, on that trustee, I think something that we encourage and we will continue to encourage uh, the woman participation in different fields in our community. So what kind of song are you playing for us today? Well, my choice of song is from my very favorite band in the world that happens to be a Canadian band, uh, and that would be Blue Rodeo. And uh, one of their more famous songs is Lost Together. And I just find it a very beautiful, poetic song. And just as a side note, I went after the uh, earthquake in Haiti, I went with a team and worked, volunteered in a trauma hospital there for a week. And it was, it was probably the toughest thing I've ever done in my life. Probably the best learning and the uh, best, I guess, the most I've ever learned about myself, both professionally, personally. It was really good, but it was also really challenging. So at night when I was trying to uh, settle myself down, uh, knowing how important music is and helping us sort of self-regulate our system and maybe trying to escape a little, I I would play Blue Rodeo on my iPod as I was trying to go to sleep to feel like I was getting a little bit of my Canadian home as I was so far away from home. <laughs> and so I love Blue Rodeo and I love this song. And uh, I just want to thank you for having me join you today. This has been really great. And uh, Ahmed, I hope that the, the holidays bring some lovely family time for you and Nazra and your kids, uh, and time for you to restore and reflect, because I know how busy that uh, you have been supporting our community in all the many, many things that you do. So all the best to you in 2021. Uh, in serious note, thank you very much, Melanie, uh, for the positive contribution and so many volunteering that you have done for the community. Uh, and we hope... Uh, uh, looking forward for the 21, uh, you will continue that positive contribution to the uh, uh, to our community. Uh, you've been uh, wonderful. I have known you for a long time, and we uh, I was very blessed to know you. And we wish you and all the best for the new year and very success uh, coming years. Thank you.
This has been the Global Village Podcast with Ahmed Kassim. For more information, go to globalvillagecenter.ca.